one. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Three Chicks June edition. This is Victoria, Donna, and Beth, and we're here to talk to you today about how to get started. We're gonna tell you stories about how we got started in our own businesses, not just as writers, but also in our own small business so that you can get a sense of things that are really possible. So uh, I'm gonna throw it over to Beth, who started her uh, life that we know today with a publishing company called Filbert Publishing. And tell everybody why you chose the name Filbert. <laughs> I think you remember that story. I uh, do. No, um, I had, um, as I was a novelist at the time and I had um, an, publisher accept my first novel and I was all happy dappy about that but then she said um you're gonna have to start an e-magazine and contact your people like a couple times a month at minimum and you you know this is how you're gonna sell your book you never ever she said and this is the best advice ever but you never <laughs> ever sell a book you always sell the e-zine you always you have to have a really you know, this is part of going into sales and the, the huge benefit someone would have of subscribing to your easing. And for me, it was, you know, you know, make your writing sparkle, write killer queries, get published, subscribe to writing, et cetera. Blah, blah, blah. I had that tagline forever and ever. But um, so to start this easing, I had to start a publishing company who would then, you know, publish. Um, I put no thought into my name except for the fact that every Christmas we get these cans of nuts and uh, everyone eats everything but the filberts. <laughs> no, why no one likes the filbert. And I always thought it was kind of crazy to start a publishing company just for an easy. And so I figure, well, would, the filbert's always the last nut left in the can. And I'm kind of like a last nut getting into this easy thing. <laughs> that's, that's where filbert publishing came in. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 I graduated from college in 1995 and I wanted to, I've always wanted to write. I've always wanted to be a freelancer. I just, I just knew it, you know, when, when you know it, you know it. Mm -hmm. And so that I, I kind of got forced into having this publishing company. And the next thing I knew I was, you know, learning a lot about the publishing business and it just kind of grew from there because it was just a natural offshoot, which I know is a really stupid story because it doesn't happen that way for everybody. No. Right. And it's but not you know, stupid. I mean, it's, it's your story. It's my story. True. But it's not dramatic or anything. It was a slow evolution where I started out with the easing and then I liked doing the easing and then I started meeting other writing friends and then I kind of got ticked off at uh, vanity publishers and decided, well, I'm not going to be a vanity publisher. And I did the whole DBA and did got business insurance and we went whole hog just to make sure we did it right. Right. And, um, you know, covered ourselves and, and made sure we had a good reputation. So it's to this day, we're one of the very few publishers who actually don't charge our authors to publish their books. And I, we could make a lot more money if we did, but you know, I just, I still, I still like to think that there are that old school brotherhood of the pen exists mm -hmm. where we all help one another. And when, you know, we help them get published. They help us stay healthy by, you know, and we make money together selling books, not selling services to writers. And so I get, I do get worked up on that a little bit. <laughs> can you, can you tell our listeners just in case they don't know what a vanity publisher is? A vanity publisher is, um, it's, it's really simple. And I both, both of you can, as, as right fellow writers, brotherhood of the pen. Yes. 
Sisterhood uh, at the, the, the mantra. Oh, amen. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> uh, we could do this. <laughs> Donna's like, quiet now. Like, <laughs> yeah, quiet down, children. Sit down. It's super simple. It is super simple. When you're in business and you're selling a product, money flows towards the writer, not away from the writer. So when you are a writer, if you, someone is going to publish your book and they say, I will do it for $1,200, I will do it for $12,000, mm -hmm. hey, buy this marketing package for $60,000. I've heard of that. That is a, it's, it's, it's a term that happens because people are getting their book published for vanity reasons as opposed to right. sound business uh, reasons or it's my passion or this book is in me and just needs to get out. I work with a lot of senior citizens locally and just help them get their books into print before, <laughs> before they die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. Okay. When, when, when you do it this way, I, mean, I, I feel like I'm just helping people. You know, they, they yeah. have their book on Amazon and it's good to go. And, they're, they're and it makes them so happy. Exactly. You know, and we edit them. We give them a good cover and their, their progeny can there, therefore go to Amazon and buy it and find, you know, you know, read their devotionals or whatever it is they've written. But, um, but yeah, money flows towards or not away from the writer. That that's our little protest to the state of publishing today and so yeah. what year did you start filbert publishing 2001 in oh, fact my first novel got um published like just july august september two months prior to the uh, twin towers going down oh my god that was pretty cool fun. how dare they do that on my debut that's right i'm joking and it's, not, it's a bad joke how it's oh sad so sad from it it changed everything it changed publishing it changed it changed the sure. world sure yeah definitely did and how um, long did it take for you to make a living at silver publishing it's you know i, I would say <laughs> you and i did the same thing i was about to go eh. <laughs> um, it all depends on the email list it does. It all depends on the emails. I have noticed through the years that, and I've talked to a lot of the authors who work with us and such, um, they can make a really great part-time living at about five to $7,000, um, five to 7,000 subscribers. That was, it's a little bit higher now because everybody and their brother has an easing and it's, you know, commercial emails just exploded. Right. Uh, if you have 10,000 subscribers, it's even better. You could make close to a full-time living. I'd, I would guess, you know, with, with um, you know, the spam catchers and the, just sometimes emails don't get in the right folder or something, you know, it's gotten, emails gotten tougher. I'd have probably say about that, that number is probably about 15,000 now, if you want to make a full-time, but in full-time, I'm not talking, you're not going to get rich. I'm not mm -hmm. talking six figures. I'm talking a living wage. You know, in central Minnesota. Right. If, you, if you're doing what you want to do, hey, then that's right. great. Exactly, and and some of this is when you're a, a small business owner and you're just getting started. I've talked to some people who've said, "I don't know how to handle my own schedule. How do I 
you know, I feel guilty if I'm not sitting in my chair from nine to five, just like I used to. Oh, no, no, not in a million years. That's not how this business works at all. Exactly. I mean, I, I work at, at different hours, but I'm almost always off the desk by four. And it, uh, go quick, re-loop back to the email list. Also, yeah. do, are, are my email lists tend to be like nearly 100% organic? which is going to give you a higher quality reader than, sure. you know, than if you buy. never buy subscribers, then you're, you're going to be a spammer. Oh you know, yeah. You, you have to drive traffic to your website and then entice them to sign up for your list organically. That's probably the best way to do it. You know, there are many ways to get subscribers. Fast is not necessarily the best at all. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, I, in the beginning, the, it was far easier to grow that email list because people weren't quite as um, jaded. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, they, were, they weren't already flooded with, I mean, I, I, I got a haircut at JCPenney and they took my email address. Shouldn't have given it to them, but I did. <laughs> they email me three times a day. Are they kidding? Oh, bad, bad. I mean. No, but that's a retailer. Right. But as a commercial email, my emails get snagged up in that too, though. Mm-hmm. You know, That's if right. someone's gotten their third JCPenney email and inflows mine, they're like, gee, gee, gee. That's right. That's right. They're all I'm using the delete key. Gee, 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 right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Donna, how do you start your business? Oh, boy. Well, um, I always had a copywriting background and um, really with the exception of a couple of years right after college, I always had some type of job in a publishing company uh, where I did some amount of writing. And I always knew that once I got married and had a child that I wanted to freelance. Mm -hmm. That's just what I wanted to be. I wanted to be there for my family. And it just so happened that for a very long time, I was a single mom. I needed a full-time job. I needed benefits, and I was, but I was working for Prentice Hall on staff as a staff copywriter, and it was great. I mean, it was a great job. I loved it. It was literally five minutes from home. Who had it better than me? And then um, my division was sold. Uh, I got a job at another publishing company, and then my life changed. I remarried, and it was the time for me to finally take the plunge. Mm-hmm. And I did have a couple of um, potential clients before I left. One was an ad agency. Another was a fellow freelancer that I used to do a lot of work with. And then once I finally said, okay, I'm so low here I am, hire me. Well, one client died. And uh, the other, yeah, he literally died. And the other one uh, was, he slowed down. He didn't have any work for me. And basically all of the potential work I thought I would have just completely dried up very quickly. Oh my God. I I learned, well, okay, if I'm going to make this work, I'm going to have to just start pounding the pavement. And I did. And it took about four or five months, Mm -hmm. but I landed one client I worked on their um, product catalog mm-hmm. and getting that first client is always the hardest because mm-hmm. that once you get that first client you start getting some more and yeah. some more and then you start getting referrals and blah 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 so um, 
the first year that I went freelance, I made $15,000. And this was back in 2000. Uh, then my second year, I made $30,000. My third year, I made $50,000. And it just kept on getting higher and higher from there. Um, but, you know, the first two, three years were very challenging. There were many times I was going to throw my computer out the window and, and go <laughs> back to the staff job. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there are times, even recently, a couple of years ago, I had a dry spell for several months, and I was seriously thinking, should I go back? But, but luckily, things turned around. They always do. Um, and I could see in the 20 years or 19 years that I've been doing this, technology has changed my business so so much um in, in the beginning at prentice hall and i would say for the first 15 years of my business 90 percent of what i was doing was direct mail snail mail gotcha. and now that has changed where 90 percent of my business is now online and it was all like transforming and getting different clients and learning different skills and staying on top of everything. Yeah. But, uh, I was able to make it work. And, you know, it takes persistence. It takes discipline. Um, it takes a lot of different skills. You have to have a, a lot of a different skill set. But at this point, I can't even imagine um, how it would be being back on staff again. Right. Right. Exactly. And flexibility is important too, to go along oh, yes. with all of those, uh, with all the skills, because you are going to have really, really good times and really, really dry times. And it happens to everybody, no matter how good you are. Have you ever heard the saying, you're only as good as your last hit? Right. Mm -hmm. That's a show business industry saying, and it's true. You know, you can't no. just think that everything's going to come crashing in because or come flooding in because you've done one promotion and the local community doesn't rise up with joy you know, when they hear you please let us hire you you you, you, you have to scramble you have oh, yeah. to, you do you, know? you do now now victoria you have a very interesting trajectory into freelance because you started out as a real estate attorney I did. I, I actually started the whole, my whole law career as an insurance defense attorney. And defense attorneys don't make squat. I mean, <laughs> even you, if you... Insurance business? Oh, yeah. Even, it's not even, like on TV? No. Well, plaintiff's attorneys are. When you see a plaintiff attorney do, you know, a seven-figure settlement and they get 30%, that's one thing. A defense attorney... And I was a defense attorney for insurance companies. So if you were out there and you had an accident, and you put the claim into your insurance company and they want to fight it, they would hire somebody like me or the firms that I worked with. And I went from a medium-sized firm to a smaller firm to my own firm where I was a named partner for, I don't know, seven years, which is, is cool, but still it's not that big a deal. And then I got divorced and I needed to get some benefits. And so my local title company said, we really want your book of business. I said, okay. So I closed my law office, went to work for lawyer's title, and I was there with them for four years. 
I had taken the AWAI correspondence course and I thought, you know what, this is going to give me an opportunity to be my own boss again, like I was when I had my boss. Sorry to interrupt you. Can you explain what <laughs> AWAI is? AWAI is American Writers and Artists Institute, and it's down in Delray Beach, Florida. They do a lot of correspondence courses. They do a lot of boot camps where you can learn the ins and outs of copywriting. Now, when I did it, it was all snail mail. Right. The digital world, this was back in 2003, so the digital world really had not come forward for publishers and for um, other companies like it is now. Um, in fact, that's where I met Beth. I didn't meet Donna till the next year through a copywriter's agent that we both had. And then the three of us were just talking before we came on the air and realized we've been together for 13 years, which is way cool. And, and not only are we business people together, but we're very, very good close friends. And that, that makes a huge difference in, in how our business together uh, works. So, I, I, you know, I, I quit my job and I never told my husband I was doing it until I said, hey, you know what? I quit my job today. And he jerked up. Matt, Matt just about fell over and said, what? <laughs> but I had gotten my first client and how I did that as a copywriter is I was reading these promotions from Animal Legal Defense Fund, the LDF, and they're very, very, very good. And they said, well, write a one-pager for us and we'll see if you fit. So I wrote the one-pager, made Beth cry, and pull out her checkbook at the same time. And they hired me. And that's how I got started doing uh, copywriting. I do different things now. I still copyright, but I also edit, and I'm, I'm a novelist and a screenwriter, and I also run the quality assurance department of an international company part-time. So all of these things, you know, my, my trajectory has kind of done its little windy path. And will I be with the international company forever? I don't know. I, it's, it, it works right now, pays a bill. And, you know, one of the things I think about uh, is uh, when we discussed this topic that we were going to speak about today, I mentioned a few minutes ago I worked at Prentice Hall for seven and a half years. And things were, you know, selling books through the mail. Right. Now, what would have happened if I never went freelance? My division closed in 2000. Wow. wow. I would have been out of a job. Um, there was no one local that really did what we did. Yeah. I probably would have wound up commuting into New York City every day. Mm -hmm. And trying to find something at a publishing house. Right. I had a small little baby at the time. My 26-year-old my daughter at the time was like three. <laughs> so, you know, things would have been so different. I don't even know what I'd be doing now. If well, I decide to, you know, just go solo and take matters into my own hands. And, and that's the beauty of it because we all have had a trajectory of different things. Yep. And yep. What, what is so cool about the way, you know, we all three do business and the way I, I encourage other people to do it is to keep it lean and mean. Mm -hmm. Keep expenses yes. down. It's easier to save three hundred dollars and or not spend three hundred bucks than it is to earn it necessarily, depending on the day. 
And mm-hmm. so when, when you keep the expenses down, we have wiggle room where some of the larger companies don't have our so-called competition. You know, the, you know, it's, I, I love the way this business runs. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and Donna told a story about how she had some lean months a couple of years ago when Matt and I moved from Virginia to North Carolina, I lost four big clients because they were all regional. And that year, 2016, was horrible. I think I made $9,000. Seriously. I, re- I remember that, yeah. Which, uh, oh my gosh. You know, going from, I was making close to 50 to nine, it was gut-punching. But I just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And I did think about going back into the mainstream. And I applied for some gigs, and they never came through. And I said, okay, well, that's easy. Right, right. And I ended up picking up the international company that I work with right now. And they're a client. They're not, I'm not an employee. I'm an independent contractor. I work part-time, maybe 20, 25 hours a week. And that's all I really need from them. But it lets me have the freedom to do some copywriting, to write on write novels, to write screenplays, to to I'm getting ready to put together a business plan to film my first short film, which is really cool. So I wouldn't have that flexibility if I didn't run my own business. And there's also uh, that nice alternative where if you do have a few lean months or if you choose for a few months, you know, I'm just not going to work. Yeah. Burned out. I just really need to cut back for a while. You can work part time and still keep your business going. Yep. Um, That's exactly right. I have a friend who was running an import export business um, for many, many years. And then things kind of fell apart, you know, he kind of decided, all right, I'm going to try to get, you know, another gig that has some benefits. And he did, but he never closed his import export business. And he still has that side hustle that he deals with from time to time, because when he retires in a few years, he's going to pick up that business again. Right. Exactly. And, And so many people can do that. And you see a lot of people... Even with traditional brick and mortar companies, a lot of people are telecommuting a whole lot more. Yes. Yes. And when you are doing that, where you're getting into it, you, you might kind of think, oh, well, you know, I can just like, I'll work in my pajamas or I'll work in this or I'll work in that. And I don't, I personally don't do that. I get in the shower, I get dressed, I sit down like I'm in a brick and mortar office. Right. And I work set hours. And, and, and I try to do deep work um, where I'm concentrating on one thing exclusively. Uh, sometimes I even set a timer mm-hmm. so that, you know, I'm, I need to make sure I don't run over. So I make a, a meeting. This is my third meeting today. Uh, we talked about this when I first came on. Um, and, and it happens that way. But yesterday, I didn't have any. So I was able to just do what I needed to do. Um, I'm in an unusual position because of, of the international company. That's really the thing that keeps my lights on. And, and that's another thing with over the last, I'd say, four to five years, uh, remote working is now bigger than ha- it has ever been. I mean, it, working remotely mm-hmm. was virtually unheard of when we all started our businesses. 
I know. But thanks to working remotely now, it has opened up the floodgates as far as the type of clients that I could become attracted to. Um, right. I have two clients that are wonderful. One is in Colorado. And we have video calls every week. We're all in different time zones. And it's like sitting around at a conference table. I have another client in Oregon. And the fact that we can have video calls, it, it kind of like brings the office to your home. Well, and the video call for people who are out there saying, I wonder how they do that, is exactly what we're doing now. That's it's right. Yes. Zoom, and I do the same thing with my international company every week, every Monday at 11 we have a video call and we have 27, 30, 32 people on the call and you'll see how many people are on the ribbon and then you can go to the second page and the third page. Right. We have people in Australia, uh, in uh, Malta, England, US, Canada, mm -hmm. South America. It's, it's amazing that, that you can do it that way now. So whatever also, business they're in, yeah. But yeah, this also brings in, you know, in the, in the publishing world, we, we have what's called um, exclusive authors, authors who only work with Amazon versus the wide authors, which work with, you know, Nook and Apple and all of those others. And the reason I bring this up is because we're all like wide authors because we have many clients. Right. And one of our That's clients right. decides not to use our services anymore. We are not completely destitute. Right. And, as, and right. it, it's always wise, you know, it, 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 when, when I, way back when, when I worked for one company, it, well, Donna, you're a perfect example of that. With what would happen to me if I suddenly didn't have Prentice Hall, you know? And, and, right. when, and it, it's, it, there's not as much stability being self-employed, but there's tremendous stability being self-employed. You're because, right. Exactly. You know, you're it's right. a paradox. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, we talked about this in our diversification podcast, where it's such a great idea to make sure that you've got lots of streams of things. Just think about things that are interesting to you. Um, you don't have to, uh, that way you don't have to be a huge million dollar seller with one client or one stream of income. You can have little bits here and there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Yes, uh, and I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, it is true that telecommuting is not for everyone. That's true. Working that's true. It's not for everyone, and there right. is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, right. What some people do is get a shared office space. Yeah, that's really a good, a good thing you to know? point out. You know, I have, I have a, a good friend who went freelance uh, last year, less than one year ago. And uh, she decided, you know, I'm <laughs> in an office. So she was able to hook up with a shared office space. It's people just like her that yeah. are in different little businesses. And she goes into this office about three days a week and it's a desk and everything that she needs. She has a beautiful view of Lake Tahoe outside of her window and it costs her maybe $300 a month. Yeah, oh, that's, I that. yeah, when, my, when my dad was going through chemotherapy, across yeah. the street from the hospital was the local community theater. And upstairs they had little offices that I got, I got a little office for 50 bucks a month. 
Oh my gosh. So when dad was in the middle of, let's supported by the arts and all that. So when dad would be, you know, he'd have like five hours to kill because chemo takes a long time. Um, I would run across the street and upstairs. And I, I would sit in this theater. You know what it's like to sit in a theater and write? Oh my gosh. It was just the smells. It was all, it was so, it took a terrible situation to turn it into something really kind of awesome because dad did really well. And then I still have all those memories of, you know, those few months that I had my little blue office. And all the grease paint you could have. Yeah. I know. I know. Including Texas dirt. <laughs> yes. and, and another benefit too in the shared office spaces is that you could speak to people well yes you get that socialness that right. you don't get when you're sitting in you know by yourself in a spare right. bedroom or in a corner of your living room well i don't i don't know about you guys but i, I <gasps> have a conversationalist that that's our that's our mascot Minnie. Minnie, Minnie. <laughs> what a sweetie pie Minnie me with a wonky eye but she's so cute we love her <laughs> that's right that's and exactly right oh hi big girl and she got a mohawk um do we have any more words of wisdom for our listeners about starting a business or how we started or or you know we may get some people writing in saying you know, what am i going to do do i you know do i put money down do i buy a new computer do i get business cards do i pay for oh. getting letterhead printed all of those little tiny things um it is you know, well that, that's great because when i started back in 2000 those were way all my when. questions too way back yeah. when. Uh, uh, i think that's yeah. another podcast yes yeah, yeah it should be it should be because some of that some of that stuff is just basically useless for for the solopreneur that yeah. right, exactly and, and some of it is it's kind of essential you know and it all depends on the circumstances but that'd be a fun conversation don't you think yes oh, i'm just i'm writing it now down now well when victoria writes it down it's real <laughs> and a lot of people say, well, how did you get started? What made you decide to take the plunge? Well, it, in my case, it was um, the circumstances in my life changed. Right. I was able to do it. Right. Um, I had remarried, as I mentioned, and my husband had an income. But uh, I also got started cold. Um, you know, as I explained, my one client died, my other client, his work dried up and, and I had nothing. And that was really scary. Um, and then my husband started having So that was really scary. So I don't always recommend like doing it the way I did, which was just plunging in. Um, looking yeah. back, it might have been a little better for me to do a few little freelance projects and have a side hustle going for a while until I made the plunge. But, you know, everyone starts differently. Yeah. Um, it wound up, you know, within two to three years, as I mentioned, I was making enough to replace the income I lost. Right. But it was very stressful. I'm not going to lie. It was very, very stressful. It can be. Absolutely. And it's, it's, we're not sitting here saying you should quit your job tomorrow without some kind of plan. You don't necessarily have to write a formal business plan, but have an idea of, you know, one of the things that happened to me when I left lawyer's title was that I had retirement income that I ended up not rolling over. I ended up cashing out. And that's pretty much how I, what I paid my portion of expenses with 
until I really got rolling. And I was fortunate because I got rolling fairly quickly. Right. Um, but, you know, find, find something that makes you happy, um, right. that, that, that you really enjoy doing because then it's not going to feel like work, certainly. Um, and, yeah, you're going to have to do some pavement pounding. But, Absolutely. You know, and things, uh, tides change. You know, you just, uh, you hang in there. And if you find that, that you open your own business and you don't like it, it's okay too. That's true. Nothing, nothing says you have to be your own boss. Some people just doesn't fit well. Right. For the three of us, it fits quite well. Uh, but, but. Even though I've been doing this now for a long time, there are many, many times that I miss the stability of an office. Yeah. Putting on my makeup, getting dressed, having a place to go to, having people to talk to, being a part of a football pool. I mean, yeah. I miss it from time yeah. to time. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, when you get started, one thing you might want to consider too is a part time job. You know, yeah. get a part time gig someplace um, because that will leave you time to work your side hustle until right. it's out of where it could replace your income. I mean, with me, one of the reasons why I didn't work full-time and freelance is that it was just too much. I mean, I had a yeah. young child and it was just too much. Uh, but that is certainly something that you can consider doing. And it doesn't even have to be like a, quote, real job. It could be something you love. Maybe you love gardening. Work at the part-time at the garden center. Do something yeah. really until you get your business up and running. Not right. Exactly. Absolutely great advice. Beth, do you have one more uh, note of advice for our folks? Yeah, I actually do. Whenever I coach aspiring freelancers, I always tell them, and it, this is brutal advice, it's absolutely brutal, but I tell them not to consider quitting their job until they have um, met or exceeded their that, that particular income for six months minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but for six months, they will be going insane because this is brutal to make, you know, work eight hours a day, commute back and forth, then have to, you know, work enough to match that. But what happens after the end of six months is they're going to have this pool of cash, you know, and at the end of six months, they, I, I, I tell them, okay, cool. So you, six months now, you've made as much as you have at your regular job. Great. It's probably not a fluke. Consider going part-time for a while. You know, just to make sure you, you know, I, I never, ever tell people, just quit your job. Yeah. It's so easy. Just quit your job. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Be, be smart about it. You know, you, right. you, you will, you will go crazy for a while. I, I, I totally know that. I remember that, you know, but. It's I think that's so smart to say because, uh, you know, yes, I quit my job, but I also had a client. And I knew how I was going to pay my bills and I was already getting a referral. So well, at the end of six months, you don't want to be sitting there all bitter. Well, yeah. you'll find out pretty fast if your, if your business plan is going to work or not. Right. If you find out, Oh my God, I, I, this, this is, un I can't do this. You're not out anything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you haven't and with healthcare the way it is, and that's going to be a whole topic too. Um, you just need to be, and you said it, Beth, you need to be smart about it. So, okay, we have just spent a wonderful half hour or so with the three chicks, Vic, Donna, and Beth, talking about how, and Minnie, talking about how we got started 
in our small businesses. And please feel free to write us uh, at uh, threechicks.com. Uh, you can go to our website and send us an email, send us a message. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So next month, uh, we'll be back and have a great June. Tomorrow is the official start of summer. And also, the longest day of daylight. But after that, we start trending back down. <laughs> We've come up the mountain. Now we're going to come up. But uh, have a wedding. Look at that face. God, I like sun. I know you like sun. You don't get that much in Minnesota. Uh, so anyway, have a wonderful rest of your month. And I'm, we're so glad that you joined us. And uh, come see us at 3 We'll see you there. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. <laughs>